Racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. George Bush doesn't care about black people. They have a Black History Month, but we don't have a White History Month. Well, all we've ever been taught is white history. If it was not for the love and respect shown to me by black women, those right-wing, ultra-conservative, alt-right haters, they would have me believe I'm too black, I'm too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. But now, I know I'm simply a strong black woman. We're in a time where corporations are treated like people and people are treated like things. They promote legislation that attacks voting rights, the poor, LGBT citizens, the immigrant community, and civil rights that are lewd, mean-spirited, and fundamentally contrary to what our democracy is supposed to be about. What is bad is not what they are doing. What would be bad is for us not to fight back. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LPFM in New Orleans. It is a pleasure and honor to be here at Resistance Radio. Once again, we are proudly streaming live on 1230 AM WBOK. Thank you to everybody at WBOK making this possible. If you're tuned in on WBOK, welcome to Resistance Radio. My name is Mark Alderi. With me as always, without question, the smartest political mind in any room that he's in, except for the one that I'm in, and that is Kenny <laughs> Francis. <laughs> who is one of the founding members of Indivisible NOLA and one of my closest friends. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Kenny, we are back to Resistance yeah, Radio. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. And I'm... also, just real quick, sorry, yeah. it's just really quickly, our podcast last week got cut in half. And yes, so we are searching for the second part. Uh, there is a copy of it deep in the uh, computer that we are trying to extricate. So we are going to reload last week's podcast back on. We're not really quite sure what happened, but... Uh, it did get Which cut you know, short. Which fault. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it would not be an experience. Happy to be back. I'm glad I made it in today. Um, I'm not feeling great. Um, like most people in New Orleans, is, it's like ridiculous cold slash flu bug flapping around, and I picked up a piece of it. Um, I have to say, though, I, I stayed home sick from work today, and I spent the whole day working. Um, but like, I got so did much get, done. I got so much done. You were done. productive, right? I basically like took a nap for an hour and then would work for an hour and then take like a nap for an hour. And I got so, I got like more done in a work day than I have in a long time. Yeah, I, I'm not the big fan of like actually going to work, whatever like, that, I mean, obviously. No meetings, I, no phone I, calls. Yeah, just yeah. like, I got so much done. Yeah, I see, I see patients. So I actually have to go to a clinic and do stuff. But when I'm not seeing patients, like I don't like have an academic office that, 
that that's not where I usually get a lot of my work done. Yeah. I, I'm able to get actually work done when I'm not it, when I'm in unstructured environments. And yeah. the, the structured environments that we see that you have, mm-hmm. actually, uh, I could see why you would get more work done so elsewhere. Much, I'm sure there's theories behind that. I, as I was well. shocked, like not feeling well, how much work I got done today. Right. Um, just like sitting on my couch, laying in my bed. And but anyway, we I'm, would we would also be uh, remiss by not also uh, noting that Kenny has a new. Com- Computer. I do have a new computer. Because his last computer last died, in the, as, like as the show as started the last show week. was starting, Kenny got a the uh, the the blue death uh, screen of of Windows Hell uh, that popped up, and and he was well, looking Windows at Windows is just hell. Like I don't have a PC by like choice. I have a PC right. because this is what they gave me. Right, right. And I was like, ooh, I can't help you. <laughs> I'm like, I know nothing about that. You're like, what year is this? Yeah. You have a PC? <laughs> right. Um, so, good to see that you have a... It looks It looks a lot more... Dude, I'll be honest with you. The other one that you had was like... It no. looked like it was just basically you know what's funny? hung together this by... This is like, literally the same computer. No. The only thing that happens is they change my hard drive. Oh, this the is, other... Oh, I even it got looks, it back with a dent on that. Oh, okay, like I, the, the other, it, you know, I think they did. They probably, they probably Buffed screwed it up a little bit. Yeah, they like screwed a <laughs> couple screws spit a little tighter. Yeah, they put a little IT spit and shine on there. <laughs> it just looks a little cleaner. Then they probably got it. And they're like, oh, another schlubby computer. You know, <laughs> I didn't go to IT school to be cleaning people's computers and 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 taking a what are this what are the thing with the four screwdrivers? Oh, yeah, Phillips screwdriver yeah. and <laughs> both of us were like, well, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right, what are we going to do today? Um, so today we are nerding out real hard. We're going to dive deep into local tax policy. We're going to continue the conversation that we started with the mayor a couple of weeks ago and talking about tax dedications. I want to start that conversation with us by like sort of zooming out a little bit and talking about both the contextual history around our local taxation and then getting specifically into the tax dedications and then finally finishing up and getting specifically into the hotel taxes, which is what the mayor has been talking about and what the the fair share campaign is about. Um, Like I've said last week, and I said it when we were with the mayor two weeks ago now, is taxes is not a sexy thing at all. And for most people, it's like very boring. But this is literally where your money is going, folks. So the more you understand about the way local and state and federal taxation works, the better you understand like how what the government is doing with the money that we send every month or every year, depending on like which tax you're talking about you're paying. Um, and I think that most people would be shocked yes. to find out where yes. their money's going. In fact, right. I'm gonna call this episode Where's Our Money Going? Right. Because it's I as I did my research for this, I was shocked myself at how much I learned and how much I was like, Wow, that's where that money is going. Right. Um before that though, I do wanna do a couple things. I do first I wanted to give the um the activism updates, just to make sure we get that done. Um, and I also want to plug our show next week that we just confirmed our guest for. So two things this week that are happening that I want to alert folks about is that one, on Wednesday, February 13th at 6 p.m. at the Artist Journey Allen Gallery Studio, which is 1474 North Broad, is the People's Assembly annual, um, sorry, monthly women's dinner, which we've talked about in the past. It happens every month. If you listen to our show, you know exactly what the women's dinner is. Essentially, it's a space created to talk about like women's issues affect women, um, issues affecting women in the city, particularly women of color, women that don't typically present, etc. Um, it's a great. I've I've been before, and it's, it's a really really great space. The second thing I wanted to alert folks about is this Thursday, um, that's February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, at ten a.m. in the New Orleans City Council. The city council is having a hearing on the proposed energy plant. Now, if you're having a groundhog day, 
experience as you listen to me say <laughs> that. You're like, didn't we do this? Right. Yes, we did do this. But what did you predict? Almost exactly this time last year. Right. What did we you, did this before. Um, you predicted that they were going to so to get so to, it. so to give you a sort of like very brief background on it is that long story short, um, Entergy has proposed a new power plant to be built out in Nishu, which is New Orleans East, and it's a peaking power plant that is. Old technology that's going to be old before the plant's even done. And just be clear, peaking meaning that when the power peaks, yes. that this is that power plant would then quote unquote go online. So essentially, it's not like our major. People don't understand what the peaking. Yes. So you know. what that means is it's not our. It wouldn't be our major source of power. It would be a, like basically a backup. Right. Um. For when we're at peak, which is where the peaking word comes from. Right. Um. The problem is. It's like that kind of the, driving a car off of a lot. The, the minute the you pro- drive it off the lot, it loses value. The problem is the that minute we this build power that, plant that we're going to build that would right. be caught, be like hundreds of millions of dollars would that we, the citizens of New Orleans, would pay through rate increases of our, ent- our energy bills. That technology is going to be completely obsolete by the time it's finished built. Right. It also would not solve the problem as... Um, I'm forgetting her name, who came on, um, Logan. As Logan Burke from the um, Alliance for Affordable Energy. And ex- also from Nolan Matters, ex- WHIV. Explained <laughs> explain to us like very very eloquently last year when we had her on a show, is that the problem with our power in New Orleans is the delivery system. It's the... It's the um, well, let's be clear. It's the infrastructure. Yeah, it's the, the, infra- infrastructure. It's the infrastructure of our wires, etc. Right, because like that's that's the real problem with our, our power. appliances are a lot better than they've ever been. They're yes. much more energy efficient. So the delivery system of our power is what is antiquated and is what is an issue, not the source of that power. So energy is well. The source of the power is still like you know, it's still uh, coal or well, it's but, still but still. But my fossil point, fuel. My point being is, we don't need this. Yes, yes. This yes. isn't like solving any of the problems yes. we're having power wise. Right, and it's hundreds of millions of dollars we would all pay for it so last year the previous council voted in favor of allowing the project to go forward and we predicted last year right around this time that we were wondering what would happen with a new council well what is happening with a new council is they're bringing it back up well and then also since then we have learned that energy oh yes uh, also uh, yeah i love that, that enormous thing <laughs> right. about the paid actors right. that came that and little spoke. that little thing yeah. about <laughs> yeah if you don't know what that is just go look that up as a news story uh nola.com did a really good story on it the advocate did a really good story i mean everyone covered it because and then it, was, we also, it was absurd the person who broke that story also came into whiv mm-hmm. uh as well and uh, it was daniel right yes daniel fast was um, I'll break that story. So anyway, that that hearing is happening this Thursday. That's February 14th at 10 a.m. in city council chambers. Um, and we'll see how they vote. And what's going on with the ABO ordinance? They bumped that one as that well, That one got right? bumped to, Mar- to after Mardi Gras. So there's no movement on that at the moment. Got it. All right. But we'll be just like those cameras. We'll be watching after it. <laughs> He yes. laughed. Yes, that was actually funny. That was actually funny. Um, he laughed. All the right. second update I wanted to give folks. Hold before on. We... Also, just just as a quick Jesus little Christ. preview, I know you just really interrupted me. Today. Just as a because you're talking a lot. Just as a quick preview, uh, we'll maybe be able to ask our guest next week about. Uh, yes, that's what so. we're just gonna t- okay. Do you know what's funny, y'all? Um, right before we went on air, AJ, who was hosting the last hour, <laughs> said, "Have a good time arguing today, guys. I'll be listening," which was could not be a better description of this show. Um, as Mark Allen was just alluding to, next week we will be having our monthly live show at the Ace Hotel in the Three Keys. It's at 6 p.m. And our guest this month is going to be Council President Jason Williams. Yay. Uh, we just confirmed that today. We're excited to have him um, as our guest next week. 
Um, we're going to be talking to him about his 2019 priorities um, and also just like looking into the future. If you have questions you would like to be asked to the councilman, um, feel free to send them to us at WHIVFM. No, info at WHIV. Oh, I, was, I was giving them the Instagram handle. And I was going oh, to say got that. It, got it. Okay. Because you know, us millennials use social media, um, not emails. <laughs> But yes, you can email at where? Yeah, at info at whhivfm.org. But it's not us, just millennials that listen but, to the show. For, but for those of us who are in 2019, <laughs> you can send us a, a, a DM or on Instagram at, at whivfm. Jesus. He's only been on this station for a couple years now. Yes. <laughs> Um, all right, we got. All right, okay. It, tax dedications. Before do you do it. it, if you're tuning in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV LP FM in Orleans. You're listening to Resistance Radio. We're proudly streaming live on 12:30 AM WBOK. If you're tuned in on WBOK, welcome to Resistance Radio. Welcome to WHIV. Welcome, Kenny Francis, and I am Mark Allendary. And I just want to preface the next conversation, or probably the next series of conversations, with the fact that that uh, the tax dedications, uh, the theme of it will be that it is steeped in unfairness mm-hmm. and and prejudice and bias. I, I would say those would be the, the things that come to mind. Uh, I would also say that it's steeped in what is an unfortunate reality about something that we've seen a lot in New Orleans politics and in larger in Louisiana is not a lot of forethought. And we see that time, well, and t- well, we're gonna get into it, but okay. we see it time and time again that just, just, there's so many things that we just do it because we've been doing it that way, and whether or not that's responsive to what people need or not is not great. And then there's there's also a lot of you know oppression oppression sprinkled on top of that, um, and white supremacy and keeping the status quo. But yeah, but the the just not having forethought doesn't that just promote the status quo? Yeah, and isn't yeah. that forethought in and of of itself? I don't like the thing is like I I don't it's know how much meta. like credit I want to give okay. folks right. who like make decisions that just aren't that smart. Like yeah. I don't know if like so, it's, when well, we, we can talk make about fun things, of them. When we talk about things like this. I was like I'm always like, did you do this on purpose so it'd be messed up, or did you just generally not know? And there's, the number of times we just don't know the answer to that question is sort of just like hashtag Louisiana. Yeah. It's like uh, stuff. Well, just, those, those are our paid officials, our elected officials. Anyway, um, so let's. Go, so let's, let's dive jump in. into to tax dedication. So I want to start first by just explaining what a tax dedication is, because folk, we're gonna you're gonna hear that word a lot from us um, in this show and over any show that we cover this moving forward. Is essentially what a tax dedication is is when a tax is paid, whether it's something like sales tax or property tax or hotel taxes, which are the three major ways that taxes are paid locally. There, a tax dedication is a a measure that has decided that that's where that money will go. So let's say just for argument's sake, you raise $5 off of a hotel tax. A tax dedication says that that $5 raised by that specific tax has to be spent on this specific thing. And that specific thing can be any number of things decided by the legislature and by our local government. It could be that $5 has to go to the school board. It could be that $5 has to go to the fire department. It has to go to the sheriff's department. It and it can also be for specific projects, like that five dollars has to go to expand affordable housing. Affor- yeah, stuff like that. Um, do, do, uh, and so that's when we say tax dedication. What we mean is a tax that was passed that they then said the money that's raised by that has to go to a specific thing. That specific thing can be an entity, it can be a project, and it or it can be like a city agency or something like that. Um, 
And that's going to be sort of like at the center of what we're talking about, because essentially what has happened, to put it very simply before we get into the details, is that in New Orleans, we have all this money that we're raising through tourism and basically tourism. Tourism is our biggest um, part of our economy. And that money is getting cut up all these different ways that it's not coming to the city in a way that the city can actually spend the money on the things that we need like fixed roads, like pumps that actually get rid of the water, like housing that people can live in. Um, Healthcare, education. Exactly. It's getting cut up into all these different things, and several of these things aren't things that are actually benefiting the city, and we're going to get into that. But first, I want to back all the way back, back back all the way up and go as a much more like big picture thing. So let's go all the way back to 1965. In 1965, there were four- Kenny was just being born. (laughs) I think you were being born then. 1965, my mom was my p- three years old. Yeah, in 1965, <laughs> my parents were just meeting. Yeah. So in 1965, they were trying to get me. Born. There were four different entities that received tax dollars in New Orleans. One was the city of New Orleans, the local government. The second was the Sewage and Water Board. The third was the Orleans Parish School Board, and then the fourth was a citywide levy district that was charged with maintaining the levies. So that it was pretty simple then. Back then, the local sales tax rate was 1%. The hotel tax rate was also 1%. And then the millage rate, which we're talking about property taxes, was 74. What does that mean? It's 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 too complicated to explain. Basically, it's it'll make sense more. It's okay. se- it was 74 mills. And then that, that 1% tax to hotels, that 1% tax to sales tax, and the property tax rate at the time produced roughly... $350 million in tax revenue every year for the state of New Orleans back in 1965. Today, those numbers stand at the sales tax is 5%, the hotel tax is about 15%, and that property tax millage rate has doubled since 1965. And currently, New Orleans, for all of the taxes that we collect locally, raises roughly $1 billion, that's with a B, $1 billion per year which is a lot of money considering we are a city of 400,000 people. We are a small city relative to other cities in urban areas, and we have that sort of revenue that we bring in. That revenue is largely driven by our tourism industry. Right, so we should be swimming in, in, in vast it wealth, sound right? like it, right? Like we should have great roads, uh, we should have public safety issues, uh, schools should be running uh, by themselves, uh, really, uh, and uh, healthcare should be so offered to what, everybody. So here's what's happened, though. Since 1965, as those tax rates that I just talked about were raised the number of entities that receive a piece of the pie of those tax dollars has increased exponentially. In fact, as of today, there are over 60 different entities that receive tax dollars. It used to be four. It's now 60. So hold on, let's just get this clear. So it, so when we made $350 million in 1965 on taxes, that would get cut up into four pieces. Now it's cut up into 60 pieces. We make $1 billion. We make about a little bit more than three times this amount, but then it's, it's you would maybe think that it gets cut up also proportionally by 12, which would be uh, what that would be if we had, uh, but uh, it's 60 now, far, far, far greater. And what we're going to talk about and spend a lot of time talking about today is that more significantly than the 60 people who are getting a piece of the pie, there are certain people... 60 entities. Yes, 60 entities are getting a piece of the pie. There are certain entities that are getting 
an unequal share of the pie relative, relative to, to the what, work they do. Exactly. And that's what we're going to talk about. And that's essentially what the mayor is talking about as well. So the ones that we're going to specifically talk about is most most significantly the entities that have been added to the list of people who collect on that one million that one billion dollars that we raise in taxes are RTA that's the the tra- the regional transit authority so they do things like they control like the buses streetcar street etc um the second being the Ernest and Mori the Ernest and Morial New Orleans Exhibition Hall Authority that's the convention center um, another entity that gets a piece of the pie is the Louisiana Stadium and Exposition District, also known as the Superdome. And the fourth one, the fourth one is the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau. That's the one run by Steve Perry. Essentially, what they do is their job is to figure out how to bring conventions and other types of tourism to the city to help raise revenue. Um, and they are also assisted by a, another entity that also gets a piece of the pie known as the New Orleans Tourism and Marketing Corporation. Um, and for the purposes of today, we're going to be focusing on the Convention Center, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and the Tourism and Marketing Corps, because those are the ones that are getting an unfair share of the of that $1 billion that we raised. And by unfair share, what we are referring to is that they have an, they're getting an unfair or a disproportionate amount of that tax dollars, uh, disproportionate to the amount of work that they do. Yes. And let, let's let's just dive right into that. Okay. Right? So let's talk about <clears throat> how there is we're a city of four hundred thousand people. We attract twenty million people to this city every year in tourism. That's the number of total visitors that comes to the city. What the data is showing us is that only two million of those people, of that twenty million, is coming to the city for conventions. So about 10%. So about 10%. So you would think that the share that the convention center people would get would be somewhere around 10%. Right. That would be a fair system. That's not true. That would be a fair share. They'd be getting their fair share would be 10%. That's not, and that's not what's happening. And that's sort of like at the center of what is this larger conversation about tax dedications. But when we're specifically talking about hotel taxes, which is the best way to um, think about how the type of money we're raising with tourism. Um, it's they're not getting a fair share at all. So in looking at the just specifically hotel taxes, so the taxes we raise from hotels, we raise almost it's less, but almost two hundred. Just to give it a nice round number, we raise roughly two hundred million dollars a year in hotel taxes, which is a lot of money. In fact, it's a th- it's a third of our city budget. Our city budget is six hundred thousand. The hotel taxes raise two hundred thousand, but we don't get. Hold on, no, 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 600 million. I'm sorry, 600 million. million, And then we raise, the hotel taxes raises. The city city annual budget is around $600 million. Hotel taxes raises about $200 million. million, But those $200 million do not go to the city. In fact, between the, um, the convention center and the visitors bureau and the tourism and marketing corporation, they get a combined... They get a combined almost 50% of those taxes that get come from hotels. And the Superdome gets 32% of it. And can you guess how much the city gets? And so when we say the city, we say the city to get to the general fund to pay for things like roads, to pay for things like housing, to pay for things. So you said 50, 30. So we've got. I'm going to say 10%. 
Yeah, that's exactly what we get. The city gets only about 10%. So what is the national standard for cities around the country? So, And that's something that the mayor's office is talking a lot about, is that when you look at what other cities that have the type of tourism numbers that we have, they're getting a much, much fairer Mm. share of that money. Let's be very clear. New York, the city of of New York gets almost 100%. Right, and I know dollars. some of the cities on the West Coast get upwards of almost 80% And here of in those New Orleans, dollars. our city government gets, gets 10%. 10%. So let's be very clear, guys, that the money that comes to New Orleans that are paid in taxes. So we're not talking, when the mayor talks about the New Orleans getting her fair share, she's not talking, the mayor's not talking about creating new taxes what the mayor is talking about is 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 getting the fair share of taxes that is already being collected and redirecting it back to new orleans so that this city is ends up being on par with other major cities around the country that it is able to collect you know as kenny said in new york city 100 percent of their taxes think about what would happen if we were able to collect 80 to 90 to 100 percent of the taxes think Think about the roads. Think about the ability to to think about what the city would look like. Think about sewage and water. Think about the opportunity to have Wi-Fi. I mean, just the, the it, it's endless. Maybe we would even fix that infrastructure that would make the Peking we'll just, plant we'll just, totally we'll just, or unnecessary. Even, or even just or just think or just think about this. Like, f- let's flip it to what it probably should be. Right? They what should what should they, be? They so. they being the four entities we just spoke right, about. Right. right. They're responsible for 10% of the tourism that comes to New Orleans. So if they got their 10% for the work that they're doing. Sure. And that's fair. Get, that would be would, fair. They would be getting $20 million of the $200 million that we're raising. Right. If this, and the city of New Orleans, instead of getting the 20 that we're currently getting, we would get $180 million a year extra into our budget. That's almost a third of the city budget. And, so to the point that you're making, imagine if the city of New Orleans had an additional third of its budget to spend on infrastructure and social services. And and to be clear, when Kenny and I went to uh, Gordon Plaza and we did the interviews of with of folks uh, out in Gordon Plaza, Kenny and I were out sitting on a, at a coffee shop. It was it was Miss um, uh, it was uh, we were sitting at a, at, at, at the uh, on a, uh, at one of the homes of one of the folks in Gordon Plaza and. We just did a back of the envelope, literally a back of the envelope uh, uh, calculation oh, of h- how much it would cost to move people, the 49 families, out of Gordon Plaza, a toxic waste site that actually New Orleanians put <laughs> vulnerable communities into. I think it was Dutch Moriel's administration that actually built that uh, that toxic waste dump and didn't tell people what they were they were living. And it was actually William Jefferson who was the city attorney. That number that do you remember the number that we came up with? Yeah, it was sixteen. It was sixteen million dollars, and that was us rounding up on mm-hmm. everything. We rounded up on everything, so it's a very probably overestimates how much it would cost. So we are talking sixteen million dollars to move forty nine families to new locations 54 54 families to move 54 families to new locations out of press park what we're talking about here is so 180 actually, I, million i'm glad you did that and this is this is why you and i get along because we think similarly like this on these things so i did the same thing and i just did like a quick thought practice on like what could right. we do with 180 right. million dollars extra right. a year yeah. um for 180 million dollars extra 
a year, we could, one, like you just said, we can move the 54 families currently living and have been living on a toxic waste dump that's literally killing them. Literally. Literally killing them. Killing them. We, we heard about about toxic waste, uh, uh, the, 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 what are those big uh, canisters that were po- that were popping up through the ground? The, yeah. The, the, yeah. Those, Wait, let me, let me, yeah, so yeah, finish. You can pay for that, right? That's one, that's 15 million. And then you could also pay for fixing the streets, which estimates say that to fix the streets in a way that would actually be sustainable and make them livable, right? <laughs> to right. put it frankly, it would be about forty million, right? So, so where, where are we at? So there? We're, we're about still, sixty-five, right? Right. So we still got well over a hundred. So million this left. is the budget according to Mark also, Allen and Kenny. Also, it is estimated that um, expanding access to early childhood care to make it universal, universal in the sense on like a sliding scale where you would pay based off of your income. And so if you're below a certain threshold, you would have access to free quality early childhood care. Which from, data shows. From, from six weeks old till you, your child is ready to go to kindergarten at five years old. That would cost about roughly a hundred million. So we're about, we're at 165 million. We still have 15 million left over folks. And yeah. those, and that's what we could do right now. Right. If we had that 180 million extra. Yeah. It's it, and that would be 180 million. To, think and that would be As, year. That's year one. There's a. That's think about that would be the first thing we a, would do. That's a, that's a cat. Then, there's a there's a Cat Williams joke about this about like he talks about like having extra money. He's like we'd ha- we'd spend that 165 million and then you know we'd just be throwing chicken McNuggets chicken McNuggets <laughs> out the window because we got money like that like. We have, so th- which which actually brings me back to the uh, to the tourism board. So yeah. they get so uh, they get ten percent. They get they get two hundred million dollars when they only bring in ten percent. No, no, of the, they get one hundred and eighty million dollars. They right? get one hundred and eighty million. Okay, so what do you think? Where do you think that money goes? We <laughs> we just we just spent it live on air. The but New Orleans budget according with another two hundred million dollars. What do you think? That money goes. I I can only wonder how that money and the is, thing is spent. <laughs> it's un- the like infuriating answer is that it's largely just sitting there. Well, so at least what, it's not. I mean, so this is this is the time to talk about the convention center reserve and surplus. On, so. If you're tuned in, you are listening to Resistance Radio. This is 102.3 WHIV. My name is Mark Allendary. That's Kenny Francis. And we are talking about tax dedication. As unsexy as that may sound, hopefully the uh, soothing tones of Kenny Francis is making it much more sexy. <laughs> and the comedic stylings of Mark Allendary is making it much more interesting. So I this is the, the, that's a perfect segue to jump into probably one of the more infuriating things about this whole story. Um, so let's go back to 2002. The year is 2002, and the state legislature has come to the voters to ask for a slight hotel tax increase. The reason why? The reason being that they felt that in order to increase tourism to the city and to the and therefore the state, because as I would like to remind folks as much as possible, for all the bluster in Baton Rouge, they need us in a very, very intense way. Without New Orleans, this state is nothing. Full stop. And... 2002, they wanted to expand the convention center, so they proposed a slight tax increase um, that was going to raise money for an expansion to the convention center. However, three years later, Katrina, Katrina happens. Katrina happens. And the project gets shelved indefinitely and never happens. However, you- What happened to that tax money, though? You, me, and everybody else in this city what has happened? continued to pay that tax- What? 
Yes. What? No, they still collected the tax even though oh, the project con- They've been collecting shelved? it every single year since 2002 to the plus, tune- Plus interest, right? To the tune of about $15 million a year is raised by that tax. Times now you might 2002? Be, or now when, you might be asking, hey, Kenny, where's all that money going? Right, that was like 18 years ago. So 18 times 15? Is- uh, phew, dude, right. it's another two hundred million dollars. Oh, right look at that! Two hundred million dollars again. So, so let's spend it again. What do you want to spend it on? Two hundred million. So just just so folks are clear, I don't want to spend it on chicken. The convention center, which a lot of that money is controlled by the convention, um, the convention center visitors bureau. They are sitting on a reserve of two hundred million dollars. Right. With it's, an M. Yeah, it's grossly unfair. They collect $15 million a year of that tax that we all pay for a project that never happened. So, okay, in all honesty, how do we, like, so who's, how come the state hasn't gone, I mean, how come there hasn't been a, how do you, how do you change that? How do you, uh, you know, I mean, is this a question that we should have Senator Morrell or have, I mean, like, how do we go after that money um, so that uh, that stops, uh, because the project obviously got killed as, or it got delayed or stopped as a result of Katrina? So I think that like what's difficult about this, and this is where tax education gets really, really complicated, is that it's a combination of local, of uh, the legislature and the governor's mansion, um, which is why the mayor has consistently focused on creating essentially public outcry about this so that New Orleans understands that essentially we're getting screwed over and have been for quite some time. And the reason why we can't fix for anything, fix anything or pay for anything despite all this money we're raising is because... There's this problem that has become overcomplicated over the years that we don't have the sole control of the change. The mayor does not have the autonomous power to just change the tax dedications tomorrow. That has to happen in combination with the state legislature as well as the governor's mansion because of the way the tax dedications were written in the first place. And so that's why she's essentially trying to convince, she's trying to get the city behind her so that we're all on the same page when we go to the governor, when we go to the legislature to say we need this to change. Why don't we also plug our podcast? Uh, uh, the, you guys can go to whivfm.org, go to the tab that says On Demand, go to Resistance Radio, and you'll see the 20-minute uh, interview that Kenny Francis and I had. It was a special episode of Resistance Radio where it, in 20 minutes, the mayor very succinctly uh, explained to us the whole process of tax dedication and I can assure you especially having talked to other people that listen to it that episode will make your blood boil uh, when you it's hear inferior. her when you hear her explain where all the monies are going Kenny and I are doing a deep dive into it but she just basically just went into uh, the the amount of detail that was uh, appropriate for 20 minutes and explained essentially here's what's going on guys we as a city of New Orleans are basically not getting our fair share we are basically not getting what we are deserved we are not getting our due other cities around the country uh, who are of the same equivalent with respect to tourism they get more money back and in other words that their daily life is much higher they have a higher quality of life because they're able to get things done when they talk about New Orleans being a broken city it's not that New Orleans is a broken city it's just that New Orleans is not getting her fair share of monies that is required to keep her and maintain her and running smoothly. And 
I want to add to that that some some more numbers that are going to make people more angry. So when you look at just zoom out from just the hotel taxes and you look at local tax collection in a total way, <clears throat> excuse me, in a total in a to- in totality. So local tax collection is largely made up of property taxes. Property taxes is the biggest piece of the pie. Second being um, hotel taxes. The third being sales taxes. So basically, to put it simply, New Orleans makes its money off of tourism and property taxes. That's basically how we fund our city. When you look at the way that we allocate who gets pieces of that pie, the number one portion of that pie is monies that go to public education that are um, that are put it set aside for our schools. The second biggest thing is public safety, police, fire department, etc. The third thing, the third biggest piece of the pie is tourism, conventions, and sports. So that's those are the entities we just talked about: the Superdome, the Convention Center, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and the Tourism Marketing Corporation. Now, thinking about some of our city's biggest problems and the things that we seem to never fix and seem to never get better. And everyone is very, very frustrated at all this money we all pay in taxes and all this revenue that we raise, and these things don't get fixed. Affordable housing. How much How much of the taxes do you think go to that? Well, we have a city that's based on tourism. Uh, so that means people come to New Orleans because of our culture bearers. Our culture bearers are oftentimes not paid as much as I think that they should. We're talking about musicians, uh, entertainment, arts, artists, cooks, uh, bartenders, waiters. I'm going to say affordable housing, maybe about 30% goes into affordable housing. 1.2%. Hmm, I was off. Huh? 1.2%. Let's see, think of another problem we have. We don't have any public transportation, really. Our yeah, is not really a thing. Right. I mean, so the buses do a decent job. I mean, they got the apps that are out. And of course, the streetcars are important. Not only is it important for as a cultural thing, a tourism thing, but people do use the streetcars. I'm going with maybe 15% of our budget goes to transportation. 6%. 6% of our taxes goes to that. Hold on. So let's just be clear about that. 1% to affordable This I didn't know. Oh, yeah. 1% goes to affordable housing. I thought it was going to be, and 6% goes to transportation. Yes. Oh, and, and it gets better. Jeez. Here's another problem we have. Remember how it, you know, floods. How are, where are people going to live if they remember, can't go somewhere? Remember how, right? remember how it floods literally every time it rains? Right. So that's going to be very important. So trains, pumps, sewage and water, that's yeah. incredibly important. We've got these boil water advisories, but let's just, uh, I'm going to say... 17% of our of our uh, budget goes to that 8%. So like if you if you're doing the math at home flood protection housing and public transportation less of our taxes go to that combined than goes to the superdome the convention center and and the and the hotels. We that's, need we now need to start talking about That is that that is the simplest way to put it. You look at the issues in our city, and there's the answer. Okay, right there. Okay, so and then here's the thing: it'd be, I, and I want to add this because it'd be one thing, it'd be one thing if the tourism industry my blood is was turning around and spending that money on things like I don't know, healthcare for hospitality workers or fairer wages for hospitality workers or just benefits of any type, after school programs for, for kids, workers. or yeah. Um, Music programs, it, it would arts be, programs. It would be one thing if the, if it was spent on, because that's the thing. The majority of the workers in our city are working in the hospitality industry. So if the hospitality industry was making all this money 
and turning around and spending it on the every the everyday worker, the working class New Orleans, the culture bearers, the people who make New Orleans what New it Orleans. is, the people why those twenty million people come to this city to visit us. If the money was actually being spent on those people, that'd be one thing. But that's not what's happening. We live in a city where hospitality workers don't have access to affordable healthcare, housing or health care or transportation. Their wages aren't high enough. Child care. Child care. And at the same time, they're just, they being the, the people like the, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, people like Steve Perry, are literally just sitting on this money. All right, so let's bring in the 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 equity aspect of stuff and the social justice stuff here. I think that so so when you look at New Orleans, New Orleans is mostly a um, it's mostly a black uh, it's black city. I mean that's what it is, and it's mostly a poor city. It's one of the poorest cities in the country and uh, beset with many, many problems uh, of just speaking from an HIV and hepatitis C perspective. But we've also talked about the housing uh, issues, transportation issues, uh, and the many, many things that are out there. Kenny, talk to me about the folks that own the Superdome or that own the tourism or that run the tourism communities or these these various entities i mean what uh, the, what this what this because ultimately what is, we're seeing is that more money is being shifted over to the wealthy and far far less money that should be going to the working class people of new orleans it's never seeing it and we are this is literally it's either death by a thousand cuts or it's the frog it's the proverbial frog Boiled, uh, just slowly being cooked in the water with just being turned up one one degree temperature at a time, yeah. and that that is essentially what's happening. And this is it, it, this is what systemic racism, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it systemic racism. So this is my interpretation. This is Mark Allendary, and I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else and uh, board of directors at WHIV or what have you. That and, and I'm not even speaking for Kenny. This is what systemic racism is. Systemic racism is how you are able to affect the law and how you're able to create policy that codifies into law certain policies that allow one group to thrive and then the rest of everybody else to not thrive. And that is fundamentally unfair. And I will say this, and again, this is my personal opinion, that is the history of our country. That is the history of our country. And this is why you are seeing somebody like Ocasio-Cortez who comes out with the Green New Deal that's just dripping with equity and it's dripping with final, just making just things right. And you are seeing everybody freak out, including uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, who refers to it as the Green Dream. At that point, I realized that we needed a Green New Party is what we needed when she said that. That is systemic racism, and that is what happens in 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 in, in New Orleans. And Kenny, you skip. I just, I just want to change what's happening. What's happening? Happening. And you skip something. I mean, a lot of this. I mean, I, I think Kenny, you phrased it great when you and I were sitting. I think off air when we were kind of like, kind of scratching our chins proverbially and saying, "How did it all start?" And Kenny was like, "I bet you it all started once the African Americans, once black people started to take control of the government in New Orleans." And as soon as you said that, I was like. How was I so? St- how did I not even? 
how did I not even intuit that? I mean, my personal research and what I rec- what I do is systemic racism and medicine. How did I not just extend that out one thing more to our society? Of course, that's where it all started. And Kenny uncovered it. It, it also started when Dutch Moriel became uh, the mayor. Uh, that's when a lot of these policies. And maybe I'm jumping the gun. I don't mean to, Kenny. Well, it's, and you're right. Is that like it didn't all happen all at once? But like a lot of the flood of the tax dedications and the way that our taxes have sort of been like cut up and taken out of our control. Cause I think that something that I haven't mentioned yet is these entities we're talking about, like the convention of visitors bureau. They're these like, they're these like semi private entities. Right. right. They can do that. They're unaccountable. They're unaccountable. Not to, to the, the voters, not you, to the government, not to anything. You, you or I, none of us voted for these people. None of us. We have of, no say in where the money have, goes. We have no say what they do. We have no say like right now as of right, like even the, think about this. Mayor Cantrell is the elected mayor of New Orleans. She won what, 60% of the vote? Yeah, she won mad. She can't tell Steve Perry what to do with a dime of that $200 million he's sitting on. And Steve think, Perry, if think you'd like about to come that. on WHIV, think of, just, like, think, just like think about that for a second. The people of New Orleans with, I would, I would say 60% of the vote is a mandate. 60% of our, she has a mandate to run the city. And she cannot tell him what to do with a dime right. of that money. But don't and you? None of us can. Right? Don't you see that as as being that is just a microcosm example of where this country is going with uh, in terms of corporations and how yeah. corporations and yeah. to me. To me, I know there's a lot of different definitions of fascism, and I know you and I have talked about that a lot. And uh, to me, I define fascism as at a point when corporations take over government. And to a certain degree, that is what we are seeing here. I'm not saying that obviously we live in a fascist government. Obviously, please don't don't misquote me here. What I'm saying, though, is that we have private entities that are calling the shots here, at least with respect to being able to collect their the the, the the lion's share of the money that should be coming back to us because people aren't coming here to see Steve Perry or they're not the, the, the only 10% of the population of the 20 million people that come to New Orleans are going to the convention center. A majority are otherwise coming to see the musicians. They're coming to see the street artists. They're coming to eat. They're coming to see our great culture, our great architecture. They're coming to the French Quarter. They're coming to New Orleans. And like Kenny said earlier, without New Orleans, Orleans, there would be Louisiana would look like fill in the blank of any of the other southern states. I don't want to make fun of them because I feel kind of bad for them. Mississippi. I didn't want to Alabama. say Alabama. Don't say that. If you're tuning in, you are listening to one hundred two point three WHIV. This is, this is South Carolina, <laughs> Virginia, right? <laughs> Virginia. You are tuned into Resistance Radio, Mark Calendary. That's Kenny Francis, and I think to, and to bring this back to something that I said earlier. Um, Whether for me, this is this, this, like I said earlier, like taxes are like a very unsexy issue, and most people like completely stop paying attention when you start talking about tax policy. It doesn't matter. This is one of those things where it doesn't matter what your political leanings are, what your philosophy is. You can be the most hard right conservative or the most like far left socialist. It doesn't matter where you are on a spectrum. You should be, if you live in New Orleans, you should be enraged by this issue because it affects all of us because the moment you wake up in the morning not even leave your house because it affects you in your house too you're affected by this by the fact that we cannot pay the like the bottom line of this if you listen to nothing else that we've said in this almost hour we've been talking about this 
Um, and this and this show has gotten like very weedy, which is like what we do. We get in the weeds of these things. Um, the very, very simple thing of this is that the reason why none of our things work, our roads are messed up, we don't have good public transportation, we don't have affordable housing, we're not getting we're not spending enough money on our schools and educating kids, all of the things that a functioning bureaucracy should do. We can't do any of that. And then something that I honestly did not even know until I started looking into this when we first started thinking about this like a little bit over a month ago is you have this baseline assumption that New Orleans doesn't have any money. Right. But then you learn that we generate a billion dollars, which by the way is kind of amazing. We're a small, 400,000 people is not a lot of people compared to other cities in our country. 400,000 people are generating revenue of a little over a billion dollars. Well, four hundred thousand people plus all the tourists that come but in. They're coming because of us, right? They're coming. Because so my of point: us, right. we're generating this revenue. We're creating this capital. We have the money. The money is there. We have plenty of it. I would argue. The problem is we don't control most of it. We're not getting yeah, it. That's right. And that's like the simple issue of the problem here is that we're over here trying to figure out how to fix the roads and pay for schools and build some homes and buy some buses and expand the streetcar on like a dollar. Meanwhile, Steve Perry and his ilk are sitting over here with hundreds in the bank doing nothing with it. Right. And, the th and to, if that doesn't infuriate you enough, just to illustrate my point, because some there might be some of you out there who are thinking, well, like, Maybe there's like some sort of like grand plan of like what to do with the money they've been sitting on. A story that folks might have heard about, but like maybe not had the whole context of this because I know I didn't at the time, is about 18 months ago, there was a um, there was a push by the tourism industry to spend a significant portion of the $200 million convention center reserve to actually do that expansion and build more hotels, et cetera. And the city council was like, no. And it was this huge sort of like public fight about it and ultimately didn't go through. Just think about that. They literally came out with a vanity project to try to spend this $200 million that we so desperately need. So this idea that they need it, this idea that it's essential to their operating is a false one. Yes, it Because does. like less than two years ago, you tried to just do some vanity project just to spend it just so we wouldn't get it. Right. Like right. that, like think about that for a second. They tried to just spend it so we wouldn't get it, right? Just well, cause. What, and what? What do you think that's due to? You said before systemic you, racism. This is yeah. systemic racism, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. This is systemic racism. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And I would love if any of the representatives, any of those representatives, Steve Perry or anybody, please come on the show. We, I, explain, we, explain to me what you're doing. Right, million, it, please. please, please. We Maybe would, I missed something. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you, okay? Because we would love to hear what you guys are doing. Because we know what it is, right? We want our fair share. We want our fair share. I want good roads. I want. I'm, I'm done with the 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 boil water advisories, right? And I want. And honestly, I'm sorry, but honestly, like I something that I think that the mayor hasn't gone like far enough on, and I think she's just trying to like make it work. Is that like they? She's saying she just wants to like change the the um the ratios a little bit and to get a fair share. I want it all. Y'all got two hundred million dollars sitting in the bank. 
I want it to change that New Orleans is a hundred percent of it, absolutely, and you get nothing. Keep it, right. keep the two hundred million you have. That's what that's your surplus from now on, and we get all of it. Right. I want the full two hundred million a year coming into the city government coffers so that we can fix our roads and we can spend more money in our schools and we can expand mental health services and we can have affordable house, what housing. People, what are people thinking? Do they not realize that that eventually this is going to catch up? Like we could literally do a like New Orleans version of like single pay healthcare for for hospitality workers with this kind of money. Yeah, we could. We could literally do that. Do you know, in in San Francisco they do that. There's a surtax in San Francisco on every bill that you pay um uh, when you go get food. There's a like a it's like a maybe a point something percent it maybe is a half percent or maybe one percent of the total and all that money goes directly I do to hospitality make, workers. I do want to make one more point because I know you want to get to the next I want to show you I something. One more that's point. funny. The, the one more thing that, that just sort of like makes my blood boil is that because of everything that we're talking about another thing that we often see which again is leads into systemic racism and criminalizing poverty is that 35 because of everything we're talking about the way these tax dedications works the city's general fund, 35% of the revenue that we have for that comes from fees. Oh, yeah. And well, funds. I say that all the time, of course. And yes. the reason why we do that is because we have this we billion dollars that we're not getting. The burden of paying for the things that we can't has pay been for shifted to has the been shifted class. to the people who we need to pay for it's these things so for. It's so unfair. It's and that's so why unfair. We, that's why we did things like traffic cameras. That's why we do things like fine and fee for every little thing. Booting your because car. Because 30 Five percent of our revenue that the city gets to spend on things like infrastructure comes from that. That's absurd, folks. When we have a billion dollars that we raise, um, we're going to end with a little levity here, and we're going to dig into this further and further. Kenny, did you see this? No, this I is didn't an see this. SNL skit. You guys, it, 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 it You don't need to. I'm, I'm going to watch Kenny's reaction. I'm going to keep our microphones live for this. Kenny, okay? And I want you to watch this. This was SNL this weekend. Since this is the first show during Black History Month, we wanted to take a moment to talk about some of the great African-American entertainers who have contributed to the legacy of Saturday Night Live. From Garrett Morris to Eddie Murphy to Ellen Cleghorn and so many more, representing black culture has always been a part of Saturday Night Live's DNA. Whether it was Billy Preston's musical performance in the first episode. Or Richard Pryor's unforgettable job hosting in season one. Saturday Night Live made it clear that good comedy is colorblind. Hey, hey what, what's up, Kyle? Hey, guys, I just uh, wanted to lend my support. Well, thank you, Kyle. If you couldn't tell from his Thanks, voice, a white guy just yeah, looked out. So, from all of us. I'm not saying that because it's the month. I really mean it. We know you do, baby. It was up to me. This would be much earlier in the show. It sickens me that they, like, buried it like this. Yeah. We got you, bro. Thank you. So, to sum it up... Real quick. Oh, Did you know African-American contributions to entertainment didn't start with Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Yeah, we know. We know Actors that. Actors like uh, Sidney Poitier... Poitier? And Harry Belafonte changed the way people thought of movie stars. To Sir With Love was one of the best movies of the 60s. I haven't seen that on TCM lately. Okay. Huh. wonder why. Oh. Mm -hmm. Buddy, buddy, buddy. No, no. You see, <laughs> America was surprised oh, take black stage. leading man. <laughs> That's very funny. We always knew what we were capable of. Mm -mm. Did he say we? She said <laughs> we. To <laughs> Chicago, 1922. Oh, Louis Armstrong joins King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band, and American toes haven't stopped tapping since. Oh, he crazy. That's uh, what Kyle, what are you doing, man? Thank you, yes, Beck. Please. please get your uh, mail. Yeah, your yeah, of course. Kyle, 
Hearing you talk, you think all African-American trailblazers were male. No. Hattie McDaniel <laughs> took home an Oscar for Gone with the Wind in 1940. Any plans to mention that? Uh, maybe after I mentioned Ella Gordon, who started the first African-American school for dance in 1919. Oh, wow. Overlook Catherine Dunamuch. Uh, Lena Horne. Nina Simone. Beverly Johnson. Yeah, who's Beverly Johnson? Really, you oh. gonna help them? You gonna I'm help just, them? I'm <laughs> <laughs> Guys. It really means the world to us that you Googled all those names. And memorized them. But it sounds like you learned all that stuff just to impress your black friends. Oh my God, did you hear that? We have black friends! Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Well, thank you, Kyle and Second Dummy. Yes, thank you. But uh, seriously, it's an honor to stand on this stage thanks to all the people that stood here before us. So happy Black History Month to everybody. It's going to be a better tomorrow. Indeed. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that was actually very funny and very well done. Um, the last thing I want to say before we go is, one, um, make sure you join us next week, um, 6 p.m., Ace Hotel, Council President Jason Williams will be joining us. And for this Black History Month, what I would like is I would like for my favorite black city in the South, New Orleans, to get her fair share. Here you go. Yeah, I appreciate that. What are we going to go off on? Uh, I think this song is it's perfect. More money, more problems. <laughs>